It's now time for the next episode of Coachology with Courtney. Let's go. Hey guys, Courtney here, and uh, thanks for tuning into the show today. And today I have my friend Bo Brooks with us, and you know he he has a baseball background, of course. So we're going to get into some cool baseball, softball type conversations, but really some professional conversations today too. So uh, Bo, do you want to go ahead and give a little bit more information about yourself? Uh, sure. I'm uh, I'm from Huntsville, and uh, not sure who else listens or watches these, nationwide, nationwide. Man. So oh, uh, yeah. from Huntsville, Alabama, uh, I'm a State Farm agent now, and uh, have I'm just starting to realize how much I can apply what I learned playing baseball all those years to to this world when I thought I could only apply it to sports and I was gonna have to figure this business thing all out. It was I was kind of kind of scared, but uh, and it took me a while to figure that out. But um, but starting to see how I can apply it and um, and turn that into hopefully something pretty pretty impactful. Well, I know it's impactful now. So tell us a little bit about like baseball. So did you just play a little bit of high school baseball or, you know, what, what, did, you, what did you do? Yeah. So, uh, well, I could, uh, I'll, I'll say professionally for played professionally for five years, but did go, did play at uh, Huntsville high school. Um, went to Troy university and was drafted my junior year, uh, by the angels and played in their system for five years, topped out at triple A and, um, uh, but still got to know a lot of guys and learned a lot in that world too. So um, that's the baseball background. I wouldn't, I wasn't that great. Otherwise I'd be at spring training right now and not, uh, not, not here in the office, but um, still a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I I would have to disagree with not that great. (laughs) There's a lot of guys that didn't do what you did that would love to trade places. So awesome. All right. So um, with Bo, Bo was a catcher. And I was a pitcher and I usually vibe pretty good with uh, catchers because we worked together for so long, maybe not directly, but in a sense of baseball and softball. So you my work best teammate you. friends were, pitch, were exactly. the pitchers. So, oh yeah. man, I had a, one of my catcher friends, hopefully she's, she tunes into this one, but we, we had a, um, it's a very superstitious. Were you superstitious when you played? Uh, not terribly, but, but I had my things that I like when I would get in the box and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. so we are, uh, it was her sophomore year, my freshman year. We spent the night with each other before every single game. So slept at the other person's house. And then after the game, we went and ate Mexican with our families. And we were undefeated, like, for the JV season. We won every single game. So, you know, that was one of the things. Of course, we played travel ball and summer ball together. So we were together a lot. It took trips together and all that stuff. But I know for that whole season, we did that. I don't know if it worked or not, but it sure was fun. So, so yeah. Y'all were undefeated? Undefeated. It worked. Yeah. Didn't hurt things, that's <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's right. That's yeah. Right. So yeah, absolutely. A lot of my catchers were really great friends. Oh yeah. We. I mean, it, that's. I think that's what kept me around longer than it probably should have. Because my. Uh, I mean, all kidding aside, my offense was pretty pretty bad, and uh, but I, 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 I was able to stick around because of my relationship with the pitchers and being able to manage them well in the in a game. Know who you could, you know who you could cuss out on the mound and kind of get in them a little bit and who you kind of had to baby because if you got on them too hard they would it just it would go the wrong direction but uh but just having that relationship with them and being able to manage a game like you know uh 
in those high intense situations and you know late in the you know those later innings and things like that that's what was able to keep me around a little longer than I probably should have been uh, with my poor uh, offensive skills <laughs> but knowing how to win that's oh, a big yeah. thing oh yeah that's huge I mean I've yeah. had college coaches call me like hey do you have any kid that goes to a certain school I'm like, yeah, but she's like the third string and she's a senior. They're like, I don't care. Everybody from that program knows how to win. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's important to know how to win. So, yeah, even though you're not hitting bombs every every tenth at bat, yeah, you're still winning games. So, cool. Yeah. All right. So, um, we're going to get into our the theme of the podcast, of course, like controlling the controllables because there's so many things we can control in a game. Some things we can't, like weather. That's a big one. Um, this time of year, I always freeze to death because I want it to be spring so bad. So today I'm like, don't, I'm just freezing. I had sandals on. I actually put tennis shoes on until yeah. I realized how cold it was. <laughs> but, you know, controlling the controllable. So um, I know that's very important to you. So what you got on that topic? I'll just Gosh, give you the floor. I don't really know where to start, really. Um, I mean, I, I live my life based on that. It makes a very, I guess, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's busy. Everybody's got busy schedules. Um, it makes a stressful uh, life very not stressful when it boils, it, when it gets all the way down to, you know, I can't, I cannot do anything about fill in the blank uh, right now or at all, then I'm not wasting any more of my time on, on worrying about it because mm -hmm. worrying about it's not going to change anything. Absolutely. So, uh, um, gosh, it can apply, it can apply to anything. I mean, and I would even, I could even make an argument that in nearly, in nearly every situation, you can back things up to where you might not directly be able to control the, the outcome or wherever you're trying to, um, wherever you're trying to advance that thing, that situation, but you could back it up and get to a point where you could control something that would affect this, that would affect this, that would affect the thing, you know, um, so I've thought so long about, you know, so many, so many countless hours of, of this topic and, and just, it just makes too much sense. And until that changes or it doesn't make sense anymore, then I'm going to keep buying into it and not letting things that I can't control bother. Absolutely. Yeah. So when's the first time you heard that? Or, or do you remember a time that you heard that, that was like, ha, ah, got it. I absolutely do. Um, because we've all heard it. People say it all the time, and I heard it all the time, and uh, just kind of let it brush off to the side, like maybe a lot of people still do. Um, but there was a moment after a game when I was in Double A, where uh, one of our um, one of our teammates he was he was he was the teammate that everybody loved. He was struggling and had been for a few years. He was getting older, so it was it was his time to like he needed to get to show some progress, or he was he was done. So he got released, and uh, and it kind of killed the vibe that entire day. We lost the game that <clears throat> that night, and then after the game, the uh, our manager was talking to us about um, going up and having good at bats, going uh, making good throws, you know, being accurate, doing all this kind of basic stuff, and uh, to to drive home the point of just control what you have control. You don't have control over what the front office is doing, uh, who they're going to move up, move down, uh, who they're going to release. But you have control over going up with, you know, sticking to your game plan, going up, having a good at bat, all these kinds of things. That, uh, that for some reason, when he said it, that you know, and he he added a little more to it. Just, just why, why worry about 
about what they're doing when you have no effect on it. He's like, you, you know, do you, do, you, do you call them? Do you talk to them regularly? You know, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. So you control these things, and why even bother, you know, worrying about or, or you know, thinking the, that worrying is going to affect the decisions they make. Just control what you control. And for some reason, um, that being the probably million, the time I've heard it, it just clicked, and I've applied it to some very stressful, very high-pressured situations in baseball and just in life stuff uh, recently that drives my mom crazy because she's a worry board anyways, wanting her mm -hmm. kids, the best for her kids. Oh, and yeah. and uh, she's like, how, how can you not worry about it? I'm like, because I did X, Y, and Z, and I, I, there's nothing else that's going to happen until tomorrow morning. So I'm I'm just going to, you know, play with Brody and Maddie and, and not even think about why. There's no yeah. point. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not going to know anything until tomorrow at 8 a.m. So, exactly. Uh, but it's just just makes sense to me it does man and yeah. it's yeah it's something I, I i like to i try to teach in uh in lessons i tell people all the time control the controllables but i don't always feel like i give them examples of controllables so you know we were talking right before we started about probably the um so a catcher right yeah last inning in a you know, it depends on who's scoring the book, right? Is it a wild pitch or a pass uh, ball, right? So, yeah, <laughs> hey, so that'll be a different podcast. So, all right, guys, I got to witness controlling the controllables in action. We got to, um, you know, how to take a pause here. And, uh, Bo, that was, uh, there was some intense things that were happening and you just like put a lid on it. That was pretty cool to watch. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, we're in my office now, so um, there's a, a, a customer who just switches insurance over here. Uh, we haven't, you know, he's paying, like most do, paying, uh, paying his home insurance through his, through his regular mortgage payment, things like that. And so we're, we uh, have notified the mortgage company we're just waiting on the payment to get here. And so um, the payment has not gotten here yet because we just recently switched him over here and he's had some, some storm damage or something to his house. And, um, and yeah, so the, um, we got a call from, uh, from somebody, probably a, a roofer or a claims person that who was telling some of my team members that, you know, that, you know, Hey, basically over dramatizing this thing. I, I feel like so, um, to whereas I just kind of, I, like I usually do sat just sat back and thought, okay, what's the next step? Next step is try to find out when are we going to get payment? Have they sent it out yet? Those kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause that's, that's one thing that might be holding us up from moving forward in the claims process right now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, wanted to try to get to the bottom of that. And so now we're working on that there. If, uh, if payments on the way, then we'll, you know, go one direction with, you know, with our next step. If, uh, if payment hadn't been sent out yet, okay, how can we get it here quicker? Uh, just all these kinds of things that uh, to try to make since the payment part is the big holdup right now. Mm -hmm. Try to think of some other ways or that we can speed that part up. And if that's still going to be slow, what are some other ways we can still get things done in the meantime? Way you know, so yeah. uh, I mean, trying to find out what I have, what we have control over, right. you know, here to try to help this this guy and his uh his situation at, the, at his house. So. Happens now, all the time. Yeah. That's, you know, that's why you're sitting in this chair at this desk, right? Yeah. The one in charge. So. Yeah. yeah. The catcher, right? The yeah, best right. seat in the, on the yeah. field, of course. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, right before that, we were talking a little bit about baseball stuff. So we're going to mm -hmm. circle back to that. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's a, you know, when, when I train my pitchers and they come in after a game and they start 
of the umpire, the catcher, the, all this stuff. I kind of do what you did there. And I'm like, hey, let's let's get the excitement out. I let them do their complaints because I'm, I'm kind of that safe space for them. They, yeah. they got to tell somebody, okay, they get it out. And then I kind of backtrack. I'm like, okay, so a couple examples has come up many times. Oh, my catcher missed the ball in the, the seventh inning and tied it up. And then, you know, I had to go extra innings and I was already tired and whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, I always ask them like, well, how many balls did your catcher have to block the first six innings? Did you miss your spot? That's one. Yeah. It will obviously. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's yeah. certain times we bounce yeah. it on purpose that you should know yeah. when that's yeah. coming and it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, if we missed our spot and we bounce it, we're tired. Well, they got to be tired. They're there with every single pitch we are. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I tell them like, Hey, they're tired from blocking the first 30. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's like, you know, if you hit your spots and, you know, make their job easier when they need to come through. Like if you walk somebody, but you've been taking care of your catcher the whole game, legs are fresh, arms fresh. They're going to throw it down. They're going to get that out for you. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to, when the runner tries to steal, they're going to get you right there. They're going to get you back or they're going to work a little bit harder to block. But if they have to block, when nobody's on base constantly or y'all are up by 10, you're still making a block. Yeah. They're, they're gonna, they're human too. Yeah. Catchers are people too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're going to, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they're going to, you know, they're going to slip up and yeah, it may have been bad timing, but what did you do? How many times did you, you know, put them through something they didn't go through? Cause you didn't handle your business. You didn't control what you need to control. Yeah. And um, you know, for parents, I had a parent kind of, very nicely say, hey, why do you call pitches for this child and not call pitches for my child? I said, well, your child bounces the ball once a batter, and I'm not going to put that type of pressure on the catcher or your daughter until she can get the ball to the catcher more. Yeah. And he took that great feedback, and she, you know, was lights out the rest of the season. So, you know, controlling the controllables, making sure the pitchers know that everything is sort of their fault. There's yeah. always, if there's an error that happened, well, did you let the leadoff runner get on? Did you miss your spot and they get a hit? And now the leadoff runner's on and your defense is panicking. And they're going to make mistakes when that happens. I bet one of the, yeah. I think one of the biggest ones in baseball and softball would be uh, uh, the umpires. Oh, yeah. You know, because you're not, I mean, until you get a, to, uh, you know, some higher levels, you're not, you know, have reviews and all that kind of stuff. So um, what they say, it is what it is. I I can't think. I've seen, I've seen my coaches or managers or whatever argue. I don't know how many calls, hundreds, right. maybe, I don't know, a ton of calls. I've yeah. never seen one of Not, you know, that, you know, because we, when you're not reviewing it. So, yeah. um, it, you know, just, any, I guess I would assume most of the audience would be in those age groups where they don't have, uh, have, have the review process. And yeah. so what they, what the umpire says goes. Right. And, and life um, doesn't have that instant replay either. I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and so God, I, there's no, there's no point in, um, uh, you know, and, and blame an umpire or, or you know, it, if there's a if you if there's a pitch that was clearly a strike and umpire calls it a ball, mm-hmm. I, I mean it's so one, right? You know, it, I mean I'm sorry, it's it's one up. So to pout or to get upset or maybe maybe just a voice into your opinion every now and then. I, I get that. I get yeah. because I, of course I did it too. You know, trying to fight for my pitchers. You know, yelling at the guy behind me. Right. But, uh, but to let that affect the rest of the at-bat or how you're going to approach the next pitch, you know, there's no point. It's just going to – I mean, if you if you dwell on that when you cannot control that changing to, to 0-1, mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't. It's 1-0. They missed it, whatever, fine. Say, say whatever you want to say, but it's 1-0. So how are you going to attack when it's 1-0 now? 
Right. Don't, don't even worry about trying to change it or being upset because now your one-oak pitch is going to not be well executed. It's going to get bombed probably. And, you know, yeah. so execute it like you did throw a ball because you did. Right. They called it a ball. You yeah, he's right. You can't, yeah, you can't, you can't control having that change, of, uh, you know, and uh, that's, you see it all the time with out, out, you know, safer out on the bases. And um, there's just no point in worrying about it because that is, that would be a situation you don't have control. Right. Umpires said it. That's, that's, what, that's it what it is. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah. So, man, I had so many thoughts, just like examples of when this happens, right? They're, like they're all everywhere. Yeah. Right. Because I was, I coached college softball. I think last time I coached was 2011, and I got back in the game this year. And that 10 year span, like, it, the strike zone for softball, college softball has gotten way smaller. Like yeah. we've had umpires, we, you know, with the junior college team now, we have had umpires that came and said, hey, work with us. We had a call Alabama last night. So our, we're having, we're trying to adjust our strike zone. Like they would tell us that before the game started. So I'm like, like, this is oh, a yeah. real deal. So um, I, I had a very successful staff the three years I was coaching the first two, first time, my first stint. And, you know, we only lost 24 games in three seasons. So I know how to win. I know how to get pitchers yeah. to win. But now with this new strike zone, it's a we got to come over the plate a little bit more. Like we have to. And the only way to be successful coming over the plate where they're forcing us is the high spin rates and off speed movement pitches. Yeah. Like you have to change speeds more frequently than we did. Well, we did it a lot before um, that first, the first uh, couple years. But now it's like, man, if we don't have three different speeds and our spin rates are not where they need to be, like we're, we're going to give up home, at least one home run every game because we just can't, Yeah, it, we can't get the batters to bite on the corners like we used to because they know the same thing we know, that the umpires are going to force them over the middle a little bit more. Oh, yeah, sure. So they're using yeah. that to their advantage. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And uh, another cool thing that I learned was um, uh, Trevor Bauer. Do you follow him? A little bit. Okay. I, I mean, on like social media, yeah, not, not really. No. All right. So I uh, put it on my boy, uh, uh, Jason Ferber's uh, story. So Jason, there's your shout out, Coach Ferbs. Um, he he's created. So Trevor Bauer has created these, you know, these circles, and there's like a dot in the middle. It's about the size of a baseball, and it's a circle. And he said, "Well, the big league average miss." Okay, this is Major League Baseball, ladies and gentlemen. So when you have a ten year old little girl, just remember this is the Major League average on their misses if they're trying to hit a spot they miss about a 20 inch diameter 20 wow. inch 20 inches okay so i don't know that i guess that big right I yeah mean, I now, I was, now it makes sense it's pretty big but i wouldn't guess that originally yeah right it, that's a pretty big miss and these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to hit a spot right hit a spot because that's a whole nother topic we won't get on hitting spots yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's it. So Trevor had these custom circles made that were 19 inches. I think it was like 20 and a half and then 19 and a half, but he, his target oh, was cool. an inch smaller than the big league average miss. Um, so that's how he's controlling his controllables. Well, yeah. if the best and the best, his, his colleagues are missing here, well, he's just got to be a little bit better than that to stay in the game. And that's how he's made his adjustments. So you know, controlling the controllables, even with an umpire yeah, hitting no, your spot. That's great. Like, there's a great solution. So, well, I, yeah, and on side note on that, because yeah. I just, uh, you would not believe at the triple, at least my highest experience is triple A level, mm -hmm. how many pitchers, how many times I set up just right down the middle, right down yeah. the middle. And, and, and I, I watch high school, high school and college, and they're trying to set up on the black and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, 
And there just not many people can do that. I mean, there's not many great Maddoxes out there. So yeah. uh, there were some phenomenal, I mean, guys that are still still playing right now, still pitching now, uh, that uh, I used to sit up for them right down the middle for those guys. Because that's where they, because their ball would move it, do their do their thing, change speeds, all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, that uh, would take care of what they were trying to take care of, but right down the middle, you know. Let's bring it. Yeah. Yeah, but these it's are. It's hard enough to hit, at least it was for me. So. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I was a PO for a while, so I, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I got lucky one time somebody threw me a ball like in my, I was pulling the ball and I was like this size as a 14 year old. Oh, yeah. So I'm ahead here. I, I had no idea I hit it out. I was running hard to first. Yeah. And then I see my mom jumping up. And no, I didn't even see the ball go out. I just swung hard. But my, yeah. My first professional hit, I thought I fouled it off. Really? And so I stood there for half a second looking and then and then saw the outfielder. It was a double and I saw the outfielders running. I was like, oh man. So I was like, I better run. I still don't know where it is. And then yeah. saw it come down. And <laughs> so yeah, I didn't see it all. Right. Yeah. yeah. So hey. But we made it work. We found yeah. other ways to get the job done. So yep. uh, pretty cool. Very cool. Um, so you have a, a talk coming up. Do you want to talk a little bit about the the group you're involved with? It was, you told me it was with Young Professional. Well, it used to be. That's what I remember it being called, but it's changed. And you have a discussion coming up. You want to share a little bit of that? Huh, I know yeah. I looked at your notes earlier, which yeah. is great, but you want to share just a little bit on that when we wrap it up for today? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it was formerly uh, YBO, Young Business Leaders, uh, and it was it's the Huntsville, Alabama chapter, of course. And they're they've now uh, merged with a with a company, and they're now Vantage Leadership. And so they've asked me to come talk at uh, one of their luncheons in uh, I think it's in June, pretty sure. But uh, you know, asked me what I wanted to talk about, and I and I thought you know I've got I've developed a relationship. That's a whole other story how it happened but developed a, a relationship uh over the last couple of years with john maxwell mm-hmm. and so he all he talks all the time about um about experiences you know and just how much you learn from those from experience just experiences in general i say it generally like that mm-hmm. on purpose because uh that's he's just talking about how much you learn from going to a concert that and going backstage because you never would have done that before and then they're going to meet somebody whatever and so uh, I have come up with an outline that I've, that I've used a couple of times um, to just kind of explain, you know, what my background and everything. And then these kind of really these four foundational principles that I kind of live by and make decisions off of, like big decisions, you know, a lot of times. And, um, and it's taking ownership, uh, even when it, even when it really sucks and it's, and it's not, uh, and it's not a good thing, but you're the leader of that whatever's going on at the time you know the the game the whatever it is and you gotta you taking ownership to that um uh who you who you surround yourself with that being just such a you could get put yourself in a situation or in a room of people that are you know better than you um and uh good things are just gonna happen you're just gonna get better just by accident just by being in there um if you're the if you're the most successful person in the room you're in the wrong room um and um, and the the concept of serving other people. So, like for me, it's my team members and customers. And that if uh, if that's my top priority, somehow, some way, for whatever reason, I'll benefit too. But let that be my focus, serving them, and then the rest of my stuff will just come. You know, whereas it's usually the other way around. And uh, which that the other way around makes sense. That way it doesn't make sense how, but it, it just works. Mm-hmm. Um, and then control what you control. And you have it written down in the office, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Permanent marker. Permanent marker. No dry erase here with that one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, Bo, thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, of course, I, anytime I can talk baseball, softball, I always oh, yeah, enjoy man. that a little bit more than just oh, regular somebody comes in here and starts talking baseball at uh, the mm -hmm. appointment will usually run over time. Just, oh, you yeah. know, by, you know, can't help it. Cool. And for, for our local listeners, you know, tell them what you do every year with baseball guys with the autograph session. Just yeah. So, so they can get on their calendars. Yeah. If, uh, if you hadn't heard about it or come before, um, I'm, I still keep in touch with a lot of guys that are playing. And so I'll invite, I'll, I'll usually send an invite out to, to 30 or so 30, 35 people that are still playing uh, in the big leagues and, uh, and can usually get four or five or six of them sometimes to come down and, and just sign autographs for people. They do it. Um, they, they give up that valuable uh, off season time that, you know, that you don't have much of that goes by so fast uh, to come sit here and just let people walk through the, office and see that these are real people too you know and it's people they see on tv and uh get to just shake their hand and and get something signed and uh but it's all it's been a great turnout every time we've done it and people people stop me uh walking around that i you know i've never it's i hadn't had this happen really till i started doing that but that i had i don't know who they are and they'll oh you're that you're that state farm guy that had the baseball thing and like yeah and they're you doing it again so uh, it's happened actually quite a bit, so I know people like it and remember it. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And that usually happens in January, is that right? It's usually like December. December I, try, okay. I have to try to find that sweet spot between the holidays. And, yeah. Got it. So. When they're not really full swing in their off season. So. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, Bo, I really appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. And uh, we'll see you next time.